Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 5 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is part one of a two-part case, with the second instalment available next week. This episode contains distressing themes and is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. People have this picture of me which is completely inaccurate, and I don't see how I'm ever going to get around this problem. I don't think I would describe myself as a con man or king con man or king of the swindlers as the newspapers call me. I'm someone who lied about myself and my status. It made me forget what the reality was, and for me it was a way of escaping. It always has been. Paul Bint, Southwark Crown Court, 2009. Paul Joseph Bint was born in the early 1960s. He was raised in Higham Ferrers a market town in Northamptonshire just under six miles east of Wellingborough. Brought up by a working-class family in a modestly-sized terraced house, Bint's friends considered his early childhood to be nothing out of the ordinary. However, his parents divorced before he was ten, and during his teenage years Bint was placed in a children's home, an experience that stayed with him the details of which he would recount many years later to a packed courtroom in London. Describing his childhood, Bint said, I lived in an absolute dream world, and it started back then. I started to pretend to be other people. I used to daydream about living in a big house and having people around that love me. Paul Bint had no idea who he was or what he wanted to be, but there was one thing Bint did know. He wanted to be anyone but himself. As he grew into a young man, looking for a vocation and a way to make ends meet, he trained as a hairdresser. 
while he relished the opportunity to meet the opposite sex, the profession quickly lost its charm. He wanted to be somewhere else, or more specifically, someone else. In his early teens, Bint had had his appendix out. After the procedure, he slowly became infatuated with the medical profession. He said he wanted to be a doctor, however he was told to be realistic. Bint feigned illness just so he could go back to the hospital and be in the company of nurses and doctors. Paul Bint's criminal career started in his teens. He first stole some fishing equipment, then he began to fantasise about stealing something from a hospital. His dreams soon became a reality when he strolled through the wards of Kettering General Hospital and stole a white jacket, a stethoscope and several other items. Bint was quickly caught and received a sentence of 18 months in prison. It was clear he was not going to be a doctor, so Bint did the next best thing in his opinion. He impersonated one, a compulsion that would continue through much of his twenties and thirties. Bint's desire to steal was evolving. His interest no longer lied in taking objects, but something else, stealing someone's identity. Although he never had any medical training, Bint was going to act out his fantasy. By the time he turned 20, he was attending several hospitals in London. Dressed as a doctor under the name of Dominic York, for several months Bint was working the night shift. He arranged x-ray examinations, assessed a man with a collapsed lung, treated a patient's head wound with a dozen stitches tried to change a drip, and it was alleged he attempted to assist with heart bypass surgery. The doctor Bint was impersonating was out of the country working in America, so the possibility of being discovered by the real Dr. York was unlikely. Unsurprisingly, Bint was eventually found out, but not as soon as the staff from hospitals across London would have liked. As members of the public and even other doctors saw a white coat and a stethoscope, this would override any misgivings they might have, given the inbuilt trust we all have of doctors. In 1984, Bint was again before a judge, but this time he was sentenced to five years in prison. Judge Nina Lowry told Bint... You have an unfortunate talent which you have used over and over again to persuade others that your fantasy world exists. While he was on remand, Bint was aware he was going to be facing a harsher punishment than his last time in court and tried, albeit unsuccessfully, to take his own life. Over the next few years, he received psychiatric and psychotherapeutic treatment. Still, after a series of examinations, Bint was not deemed mentally ill. While Paul Bint's obsession with impersonating others did not wane during his time on the inside, he was developing another compulsion stealing prestige cars. The vehicles could easily convey wealth and further solidify the tall tales he would tell about his fortune, usually to the opposite sex or during the social gatherings he attended. Also apart from doctors, Bint began to impersonate the rich and famous. After his early release on licence, He had not been out long when he gate-crashed a party held by the second Earl of Snowdon, David Armstrong Jones. At the gathering, Bint noticed Kathleen Stark, an actress and model. During the late 80s, she was reportedly romantically involved with Prince Andrew, the Duke of York. Looking to make an impression, 
been sent over a bottle of champagne to her table. However, this did little to divert Stark's attention away from the son of the Queen. When he wasn't pretending to be a celebrity or nobleman, Bint continued impersonating medical staff, informing salespeople at several car showrooms that he was a brain surgeon. He told another unsuspecting salesperson that he was the Earl of Arundel. The claim allowed Bint to test drive a Ferrari worth over £80,000 unaccompanied, which he subsequently stole. In another instance, he made off with a Rolls-Royce and then a Porsche. The Girard did not last long, and the law caught up with him. From St Albans Crown Court during 1988, Bint was sentenced to a further four years in prison. Paul Bint was unfazed by the prospect of spending time behind bars, and once on the outside, he was quick to pick up where he left off. While he had stolen many high-end cars, strangely his compulsion never led to the vehicles being sold. They were usually retrieved with only minor damage, but hundreds of additional miles on the clock. There's a way to make money, Bint knew how to impersonate a doctor, so rather than be one, he would use his skills as a fake medical professional to steal from the very people he was impersonating. In his early thirties, Bint presented himself at a string of hospitals, telling the receptionist that he was covering for another doctor. With nothing more than a stolen stethoscope around his neck, the conman simply used his charm to convince the unwitting receptionist to issue him with a hospital pass and pager. He now looked the part as he roamed the wards across at least 18 hospitals including Blackburn, Leicester, Liverpool, Chesterfield, York and in the nation's capital. Bint sought out the operating theatre changing rooms. When he was alone, he would then search through the staff's belongings, pocketing wallets, credit cards, mobile phones, checkbooks, and any medical equipment that might make his ruse appear more convincing. With the money he stole, Bint used this to fund his stay in hotel rooms and pay for petrol to travel the length and breadth of the country as he carried out his crimes. At one point posing as a doctor, he even spoke with a family whose daughter had been involved in a road traffic accident. Bint explained that she would make a full recovery. She died less than a day later. While Bint would claim this was a case of mistaken identity, the upset caused was immeasurable. Inevitably, he was again found out and Bint was arrested. During the middle of July 1993, Bint, who was no stranger to a prison cell, found himself in the care of medical professionals at Stockton Hall Psychiatric Hospital, a secure facility in York. Held indefinitely under Section 37 of the Mental Health Act 1983, Bint participated in a therapeutic program in an attempt to treat his behaviour. While the staff thought progress was being made, Bint had only one thing on his mind. Getting out. He managed to briefly escape on December 1st and continued his one-man crime spree throughout hospitals nationwide. Between his visits to various medical facilities under the guise of a doctor, Bint was out clubbing, looking to make an impression by yet again pretending to be someone he was not. While on an evening out at a nightclub, he met Jane Griffiths. Bint introduced himself to the 25-year-old from Blackburn as Dr. Piers Watkin. He said he worked at the Royal Preston Hospital and claimed to be an expert in procedures on spleens. 
she saw his identification, so had no reason to doubt who he said he was. But as Jane Griffiths saw more of the person she knew as Dr. Watkin, she noticed that each outlandish boast was more outrageous than the last. Believing that something was not right, and this person was likely not a doctor as he claimed to be, she eventually reported him to the police. Appearing at Preston Crown Court on April 29, 1994, pleading guilty to theft, handling stolen goods, obtaining property by deception, making a false instrument with intent, three counts of burglary, and two counts of obtaining services by deception, Bint would likely be facing a lengthy sentence. For over a decade, he had plagued Britain's hospitals, committing a string of thefts and burglaries and put an untold number of patients at risk. The prosecutor Richard Hunt told the judge that through a catalogue of dishonesty, Bint had managed to access areas of the hospitals assumed to be safe from thieves. It was his offences in December 1993 shortly before and during the period he was seeing Jane Griffiths, that ultimately led to him being charged. The first was committed on December 2nd, 1993. Bint stole two checkbooks, taken from the clothing of a surgeon in an operating theatre changing room at Middlesex Hospital. Five days later, he went into the theatre changing room at Leicester Royal Infirmary and stole a pager and a wallet which contained £350. With the wallet, he was aware of the owner's address, so decided to burgle the home. Coincidentally, a Dr Watkin was also working at Leicester Royal Infirmary. He had also left his wallet and credit cards in the changing room. They disappeared on December 7th. Two days later, Bint stayed at a travel lodge using the doctor's credit card, obtaining overnight accommodation. It was Dr Watkins' identity that Bint utilised to impress, then seduce his former partner Jane Griffiths, who would eventually report his activities to the police. On December 10th, Bint went into the theatre changing room at Walton Hospital and from the clothing of another doctor, stole a wallet, cash and credit cards. That evening, Bint used one of the stolen credit cards to buy petrol. As he now knew the address of the owner of the wallet, he travelled to the man's home and burgled the property. Just over two weeks later on Boxing Day, he went to the Royal Preston Hospital. He approached the telephone supervisor and introduced himself as Dr Watkin, a locum covering for another doctor. Bint was able to obtain a pass and a pager. While on his rounds, the faux doctor was stopped by a member of hospital staff who needed someone to sign a prescription card. Bint barely blinked as the ink from the pen he was holding glided over the pages. One would think that the necessity to carry out this deception in order to hide his ruse might have at least spooked Bint into making a sharp exit. Although he did leave Preston, Bint travelled 10 miles east to Blackburn Hospital that same day, accessing the changing area and again stole from the clothing of some unlucky surgeons. They were still in the operating theatre. Paul Bint pleaded guilty to all charges. He was yet to be sentenced, but during August... Bint was warned by Judge Reginald Lockett that he could very well be spending more time behind bars. Further examinations were undertaken to assess Bint's mental state, and he was released into the care of a probation hostel where his suitability for a long-term stay was to be determined. In his own defence, Bint told the judge, I am not mentally ill. I have some problems which have been there a long time. His counsel, Mark Stewart, had argued that after Bint had been released from a psychiatric facility, he was offered little support and only continued committing crimes as he had no other way to support himself. 
his client had managed to briefly escape from Stockton Hall Psychiatric Hospital. However, it turned out that when he was returned to the facility under the care of a Dr. Green, he believed Bint to be untreatable, and so the patient was released. Following the assessment of Paul Bint's mental state, the first in a series of pre-sentence reports were produced for the judge. It stated that Bint suffered from severe psychological problems. It mentioned that he was suffering from what was described as impersonation syndrome. The author of the pre-sentence report wrote that any form of intervention, whether it be prison or community-based, seemed to have had little beneficial effect on Bint's behaviour. The author expressed the view that unless there was a significant change in Bint's psychological state, his impersonations and his subsequent criminal behaviour would likely continue. The author of the report, who is unnamed in court documents, concluded that there was not, to his knowledge, any specialist psychiatric facility able to offer effective treatment of Paul Bint's complex personality problems. Investigators thought the crimes Bint had admitted to might only be the tip of the iceberg. As the conman scams were so numerous, the police considered a poster campaign throughout the hospitals of Great Britain to warn staff of Bint and his continued attempts to pose as a doctor. Not only that, but as Bint was staying in a probation hostel while being assessed, it was understood that he might abscond and continue to pose a threat to the public and the healthcare system. An alert system was eventually put in place and continued to run for several decades after its inception. After a further hearing at Preston Crown Court, Bint was still being held on remand at Elliot House, a probation hostel in Birmingham. His behaviour was monitored, and he was expected to attend regular meetings to examine the possibility of him staying for a longer period at the property. He was also told under no circumstances was he to talk to the press about his crimes, something which he had done in the past. Psychiatric reports were provided to the judge. It was noted that while Bint appeared to acknowledge his actions and his need to stop offending, something which he had not previously recognised, it was again documented that his personality disorder was deemed untreatable. It was theorised that treatment on a one-to-one basis might help, but Bint then came to learn that there were no facilities available which would have permitted such a course of action. Perhaps it was this news that spurred his next step in the long-running saga between Bint and the criminal justice system. Desperate to discuss his escapades that led to his incarceration, Bint reached out to a journalist. This ruined any chance he might have had of staying at the probation hostel. It was subsequently agreed that Elliot House was not a place that could offer the best treatment for Bint's rehabilitation. Bint was scheduled to appear at Preston Crown Court at the end of September for his sentencing hearing. However, he was nowhere to be found. To no one's surprise, he was discovered in a hospital. However, not this time as a doctor, but as a patient. Bint had been taken ill with stomach pains while in the custody of police and was being treated at Birmingham Hospital. As he lay convalescing in his bed he was being watched by a guard. The officer was there on a wholly unrelated matter. Bint had left Elliot House Hostel and travelled to a car showroom. There he yet again claimed he was a person of some note and wanted to test drive a Jaguar XJS motor vehicle. His cunning plan to steal it did not work out how he hoped, 
and he was again arrested. Bint remained under police guard until his eventual sentencing hearing, which was rescheduled for just over a week later. This time for his crimes, Paul Bint was sentenced on October 4th, 1994. Judge Reginald Lockett said, We have a duty not only to you but to the general public, and the general public must and need to be protected from people such as you who pose as doctors. The public have much faith in the medical profession, rightly so, and it is our duty to see that that faith is not undermined. Explaining that a custodial sentence was inevitable, the judge went on to say, We have considered all the options open to us in the light of everything that you have said and in the light of everything that we have read, and we have decided that only a sentence of imprisonment is appropriate, and that sentence of imprisonment will not be a short one. Bint had breached both a 12-month conditional discharge which had been imposed on December 18, 1993 at Ormskirk Magistrates Court for two offences of obtaining property by deception and a three-year probation order made during September 1992 at Preston Crown Court. This likely explains why there was a two-week gap between his criminal activity during December 1993 as he was busy appearing before a magistrate. However, Judge Reginald Lockett did not add a further penalty for Bint breaching his probation. For the culmination of his crimes throughout that December, Paul Bint was facing five years behind bars. Paul Bint was not the only individual trying to take advantage of the staff at Royal Preston Hospital. An unnamed woman in her late 50s arrived at an interview for a position as a senior nurse manager. She provided her age and nursing registration number, explaining that she had obtained a master's degree in New York and a qualification from Harvard Business School. The interview went extraordinarily well, and she was offered the job which came with a £26,000 salary and control of the £6 million budget of the Royal Preston Hospital. At the time, no request was made for paper copies of her qualifications. Instead, the staff took the word of the successful applicant. Often when individuals impersonating doctors or medical staff are caught out, It seems to have nothing to do with the quality of how they practice medicine, but a mistake made during the completion of paperwork. And this seemed to be the case when the deception was unearthed. It was only after they requested some further documents and an investigation was launched, hospital staff then realised that they had been lied to in nearly every respect. The woman lied about her age, She had no qualifications and no nursing registration number. She was subsequently fired for gross misconduct and faced criminal proceedings. More stringent measures were put in place at the hospital, as only a few months earlier another woman had pretended to be a doctor before she was discovered and later arrested. It seemed that Paul Bint was not the only person who liked to play make-believe with almost fatal consequences. The following year during June, Paul Bint got the opportunity to argue his sentence at the Royal Courts of Justice in London. His counsel, Mark Stewart, who defended Bint during his last appearance in court, argued before Lord Justice Hutchinson, Mr Justice Dyson, and Mrs. Justice Steele. Stewart first insisted that the term of five years was excessive, as Paul Bint had pleaded guilty at the first opportunity. 
Stewart also argued that the jump from the consideration of a probation hostel in Birmingham to a five-year jail term was extreme. As he gave his points, Bint's counsel suggested the judge Reginald Lockett may have been influenced as then his client still had a number of outstanding charges, despite the police deciding later that they would take no further action. In their ruling, the three appeal court judges felt there was nothing in Judge Lockett's remarks which suggested he had been influenced by any of the other charges. Furthermore, they did not agree that the jump from a community order to a jail sentence was excessive, as Judge Lockett only considered it a possibility depending on the outcome of the pre-sentence assessments. The appeal judges could find no issues with the decision that Bint no longer remain in the probation hostel, given the results of the assessments and Bint's behaviour. Lord Justice Hutchinson, Mr Justice Dyson and Mrs Justice Steele felt that given Bint's crimes and his past conduct, they did not believe that five years was a manifestly excessive sentence to pass. The ruling read in part, This appellant has a shocking record for this type of offence. It is quite plain that the public needs to be protected from him. We regard five years as commensurate with the criminality of the offences against the background of the appellant's character and antecedents. Accordingly, this appeal must be dismissed. By Friday, August 23rd, 1996, Paul Bint had not even served two years in prison when he was told he was being released. Thirty minutes later, he was walking through the prison gates a free man. He was unaware that this was going to happen as there appeared to be no paperwork or documentation to explain what he should do next and surprisingly no details relating to his licence conditions. Bint was provided with a prison discharge grant, which is given to former prisoners to assist them during their first few days on the outside. This was almost £50. He also received a travel ticket. Unsure of what exactly was going on, Bint travelled to visit his old probation officer, However, as it appeared he had not been officially released on licence, he was not the responsibility of the probation service. Also being the weekend, a great deal of support services that he would usually have access to were closed. Puzzled, Bint travelled to the nearest hospital and explained his situation. He said he needed help for his mental health problems. He was told to return in six weeks' time. Looking for a place to stay, Bint sought out a bail hostel, but they would not accommodate him as he was not on bail. The Department of Social Services said they would not help him because he was homeless. At the time, jails across England and Wales were releasing prisoners before their sentences were officially due to end because there had been a history of miscalculations by the prison service. This had been going on for the last three decades. While the mass release of inmates was eventually halted by the then Justice Secretary Michael Howard, Paul Bint just so happened to be one of those inmates who was freed before the stop was put in place. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code among us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. Seeking a place to stay, Paul Bin travelled to a hotel and under a false name booked himself a room. While Bint was on the outside, the prison authorities realised their mistake. However, he was never contacted despite Bind making several unsuccessful attempts to reach out to the probation service. History began to repeat itself, and Bind was up to his old tricks. He was an accomplished con man. He researched his targets and could often convincingly persuade them of his bogus achievements. Only a few days after his release he travelled to a car showroom in Finchley, North London. He explained to the salesman that he had recently inherited a great deal of money. Bint said he was in the market to buy a Porsche. There was one such vehicle he had seen on the showroom floor, costing in the region of £30,000. Bint asked for a test drive. The salesman was only too happy to oblige when he was told that Bint would be getting a banker's draft from Coots, the oldest bank in the world that deals exclusively with high net worth customers, including the Queen. Bint drove the pair just under 10 miles south to central London, where they stopped for a celebratory drink at Carlton Tower Hotel off Sloan Square in Chelsea. As the two men sat enjoying their lunchtime refreshment, Bint told the salesman that he would be going to get the waitress. This was a lie. He returned to the car park where the vehicle had been left and drove off. In a second instance later that month, he asked to test drive a Range Rover worth around £12,500. Speeding along roads and then dual carriageways, Bint explained to the salesman how impressed he was with the vehicle and wanted to show his wife who was in the hospital. The pair drove to see a woman that did not exist, with the salesman hoping for a purchase that would never happen. They parked up, and as the salesman was left in the waiting area, After being told his prospective buyer was going to get his wife from the ward where she was receiving treatment, 
Bint darted out a side exit, got in the car and drove off. On a third occasion, in the back pages of a local newspaper, Bint saw a car was for sale. He contacted the owner, took the vehicle for a test drive, but never returned it. He repeated this pattern of theft over and over. Curiously, there is no evidence that he attempted to sell any of the cars he stole. Often there was no material damage when they were recovered. By the start of October, Bint had not been contacted by the prison authorities and he was still without his licence conditions. He returned to what he knew best. Bint travelled to Leicester Royal Infirmary, a place where he had committed several crimes in the past. On October 2nd, he stole a briefcase from the anaesthetic room. The victim's checkbook and credit cards were inside. Bint used these on several occasions to fund the lifestyle he had grown accustomed to. It was not until October 19th, 1996, ten weeks after he was released without any license conditions, that Bint was eventually tracked down. He had been staying at a friend's flat in Northwood, Greater London, and had parked two of the cars he had stolen outside. The police noticed the vehicles, and Bint was again arrested. He was brought before a judge on Valentine's Day 1997 at the Crown Court in Southwark, and pleaded guilty to a string of offences that included multiple counts of theft and handling stolen goods. A barrister representing Bint pointed to his client's circumstances, being released without licence conditions and support, as a reason for why Bint began to re-offend, and a sympathetic view should be taken. Bint asked that 107 other offences be taken into consideration. These included nearly 90 counts of obtaining by deception and multiple counts of abstracting electricity, theft, burglary, forgery and criminal damage. Prosecutor Alison Robbins described Bint as being well-spoken, smartly dressed and entirely plausible but the judge, Gerald Butler QC, remarked that Bint was an absolute scoundrel. For his crimes, Paul Bint received a sentence of six years behind bars on top of his remaining term. A year later, on October 31st, 1997, Paul Bint again found himself represented before the Royal Courts of Justice in London. Acting on her client's behalf, Emma Gluckstein argued that Bint was released with no licence conditions and had no support system in place. She said that Bint committed a number of his crimes simply so he was in a position to be able to contact the probation service as he did not have access to a phone. Bint's case was appealed on two points, the first being the cumulative sentence of six years was passed on what Gluckstein believed to be the balance of the original sentence of five years. Furthermore, she considered the six-year sentence was excessive. The appeal judges Mr Justice Ian Kennedy and Mr Justice Blofeld reviewed Gluckstein's arguments. It had just so happened that the then Home Secretary recommended that they exercise a prerogative of mercy for Bint's earlier sentence, for which he was to serve five years, so this point then could not be argued. On the defence's second point regarding the total length of the sentence, the judges reviewed both Bint's mental state and the calculation of the sentence. It was noted that Bint was yet again assessed by a consultant forensic psychiatrist while he was in custody. Previously, doctors believed that Bint had suffered from what was described as impersonation syndrome and considered him to be untreatable. However, the consultant forensic psychiatrist concluded that while Bint was suffering from some form of personality disorder, he believed Bint to be a fraud 
he was lying to doctors about the severity of his condition. While the appeal judges believed that Bint was indeed an experienced fraudster, they could not ignore that based on how the separate sentences were calculated for each charge, they felt that the theft charges should not have been made consecutive, but concurrent. In this respect, the appeal was successful, and Paul Bint's sentence was reduced to four years. He was not in court to receive the news, However, the judges did warn his counsel about their client's future conduct. This appellant, if he continues in the way in which he presently has been behaving, will undoubtedly start to attract very long sentences of imprisonment, which will be designed to protect members of the public. Paul Bint, then 37, was released during the end of summer 1999. Aware that he might try and return to the scene of his previous crimes and yet again impersonate a doctor, the Lancashire Constabulary decided to contact the senior managers for the National Health Service and warn them of the situation. Hospitals were on high alert. Bint's activities did not just have a financial impact on his victims, but could very well be putting an unwitting patient's life at risk as he was more than willing to carry out surgery if the chance arose. With the turn of the millennium, not only came a new year, but some new impersonations by Paul Bint. He posed as a heart surgeon, not a step too far from his previous creations, but also something new, a barrister. In the public gallery at Preston Crown Court, Bint watched the trial of Harold Shipman, a doctor who was found guilty of murdering over a dozen of his patients, although the total is believed to be more than 200. Bint studied how the lawyers operated in the courtroom, so when the time came to impersonate them, he would be even more convincing. Looking for a way to get some free accommodation during a trip to Scotland at the end of January, Paul Bint boarded a train at Birmingham's New Street Station, heading to Glasgow. Just as the journey was underway, Bint claimed to staff on the Virgin Express train that he was a QC and his briefcase had been stolen. A few days earlier, Bint had made off with several barristers' wigs and gowns and an Archbold law book taken from Birmingham Crown Court. He looked incredibly convincing. Bint told train guards that he was Lachlan Campbell Breardon QC and the briefcase that had been taken contained his wallet, trial papers and his laptop on which was highly sensitive information about a trial he was working on, the Lockerbie bombing. Bint voiced his displeasure for three hours, insisting the staff were negligent in not protecting his possessions. The journey was halted as a fruitless pursuit was underway to find a briefcase that would never be found. With the search for the mysterious briefcase unsuccessful causing a serious delay to the journey, the train firm were required to pay for taxis to cover the cost of travel for hundreds of other passengers who were stranded. Coincidentally, during the incident, a Virgin executive was on the train. Looking to make amends for the perceived theft, Bint, under the guise of a QC, was offered a taxi and was booked into an all-expenses-paid stay at the Caledonian, a luxury five-star Victorian-style hotel in Edinburgh. He accepted the offer and certainly made the most of his stay. When a representative from Virgin contacted the hotel in an effort to find Lachlan Campbell Breard and QC as the bill for extras was increasing by the second the man had vanished.
It was during this stay at the Caledonian Hotel that Paul Bint met Nicola Ginelli, a former Miss Edinburgh. The secretarial temp had been attending a work function when Bint introduced himself. Keeping up appearances, he claimed his name was Lachlan Campbell Bridden and he worked as a barrister. Over the course of the next two weeks, the pair began to see more of each other, with Bint regaling his new partner with tales of his wealth. He flew Nicola to London, and they went out drinking followed by a visit to Stringfellows, a famous strip club in the capital. While in London, Bint took Nicola to the Old Bailey, showing her around greeting other barristers, who he said under his breath were his fellow colleagues. They politely waved back, assuming the man dressed in robes was a fellow QC. Nicola could not believe it. She was told she would never have to do another day's work in her life. Sweeping Nicola off her feet, Bint quickly proposed with a diamond engagement ring, and the couple planned a whirlwind wedding on the island of St. Lucia, where they would exchange their vows on a beach in the Caribbean. Bint even told his new partner that he was purchasing several high-end luxury cars, a Jaguar and a Maserati, both worth in excess of £60,000. He showered Nicola with gifts, including what she was told was a £14,000 Cartier diamond and gold watch. They arranged an engagement party, attended by Nicola's family. She had a dress fitting and had decided on a gown worth over £2,000. Bint moved into Nicola's flat and she felt like she had met the perfect partner. Bint brought legal gowns and what appeared to be legal documents with him, often asking for quiet as he sat at the living room table seeming to work. Under the impression that her future was secure, Nicola left her job. Bint told her he wanted a family, and so they even started trying for a baby. The thread of Bint's lies only started to fray at the seams when Nicola's mother realised that all was not what it seemed. Looking for answers, Nicola confronted Bint. He refused to even discuss the matter, and when pressed, he started shouting and lashed out. He grabbed Nicola and pushed her to the ground. She was left with a bruised neck and bruises to her thighs. Nicola Ginelli later spoke with a reporter for the Mirror newspaper. She said, This was a man who every night brushed and braided my hair, massaged my back, my feet and cooked for us, read to me until I fell asleep and was just so gentle, so giving. I fell heavily for him. He convinced me he was 100% sincere. It was like a fairy tale. Coincidentally, Lothian and Borders police would turn up looking for Bint as he was wanted for allegedly stealing court papers from a lawyer's mailbox at the court building of Parliament House in Edinburgh. He was taken into custody before being handed over to the English authorities. Bint appeared at Kettering Magistrate Court at the start of March 2000 in connection with the theft of barristers' belongings and the Virgin train scam while he was still on bail. However, by the end of the month, he was again in the custody of police, but due to an entirely different crime. To get a free taxi ride, Bint had posed as a heart surgeon who was urgently needed at Freeman Hospital in Northumberland. Dressed in a white coat with a stethoscope around his neck, Bint certainly looked the part, but the taxi driver was wise to his ruse and flagged down a nearby police car. At Newcastle Crown Court at the end of June, Bint admitted to four charges, 
two of theft and two of obtaining services by deception. A third charge of obtaining services by deception would lie on file. The prosecutor Michael Graham recounted how Bint managed to arrange accommodation in Scotland by pretending a briefcase had been stolen. Quote, The chief executive of Virgin happened to be on the train greeting passengers. He agreed to deal with the defendant's complaint after he explained his name was Campbell Brearden and he was an advocate and asked Mr Green what he was going to do about it. Mr Green agreed to cover the cost of accommodation in Edinburgh and arrange for refreshments to be brought. At the end of his journey, a taxi was provided to take him to the hotel. On February 3rd, the defendant phoned Virgin from the hotel to ask for a two-day extension to his stay because his credit cards had been stopped and he had no money. Even Bint's own barrister admitted that their client's delusions were problematic, telling the court, He makes Walter Mitty look like a BBC 9 o'clock newsreader. Judge William Crawford did not sentence Bint straight away, as he wanted to further understand Bint's mental state. While Bint was on remand, Nicola Ginelli, whom he had a physical relationship with, had discovered his true identity. And not only that, she was also carrying his child. She said, I'm so hurt and angry, and I'm also pregnant. I need to know why he did this, and my child, if I have it, also needs to know. While Bint never spoke to Nicola, he asked his barrister to tell her he was sorry. Paul Bint was sentenced ten weeks later during the middle of August. By this point, the former hairdresser of no fixed address had been convicted of almost 120 crimes and been before a judge 17 times. During that period, he had presented himself for someone else, anyone else but Paul Bint. Acknowledging that at least Bint was admitting to his crimes, Judge William Crawford said, It's clear you are a most imaginative, ingenious, plausible, and for a period, a successful confidence trickster. But as far as these offences are concerned, I give you credit for pleading guilty, and I have been moved by your counsel, so you can expect a lesser sentence than you might have thought. For his crimes, Paul Bint received two years. While Bint was arrested in connection with stealing papers from a court building in Scotland, the charge was ultimately dismissed due to insufficient evidence. During April 2001, he was however sentenced to a further four months in prison by Sheriff Andrew Lothian for assaulting his former fiancée Nicola Ginelli and breaching the peace. Recounting the moment she confronted Bint to understand who he truly was, Nicola told those present at Edinburgh Sheriff Court. He got angry. He was obviously aware that my mother knew who he was and he was trying to cover it up. That's why he got upset. He wouldn't discuss anything with me and we started fighting. As he left the court, Bin shouted, This is just not true. Somewhat out of character as he had a history of admitting his offences. Bint had already served eight months of a two-year sentence, and despite the four months he would receive for the assault, he would be out on licence by the summer. The 
heartbreaking story of Nicola Ganelli being lied to and left pregnant was featured heavily in the tabloid press. However, after reporters began to do some digging, not everything was as it seemed, or at least there were some threads to this unfortunate series of events that could not be tied up. When Nicola Ginelli gave evidence at Edinburgh Sheriff Court, she spoke about how her mother broke the news that Bint was not who he said he was, and this led to the argument between the pair which resulted in Bint striking his then-partner on March 20th, 2000. But after a reporter for the Sunday Mail went back over Nicola's interviews with other papers, they realised that she had mentioned officers from the Lothian and Borders Police Force turning up at her flat on March 6th, two weeks before the altercation, telling her that a man called Paul Bint, whom she knew as Lachlan Campbell Brearden, was wanted for stealing court papers. Nicola Ginelli had previously said to reporters that the pair had met when she was at a work function, but in court she explained that she was meeting a friend. To address the inconsistency, Paul Bint was contacted in prison by a reporter for the Sunday Mail. Over the phone, Bint confirmed that he would be appealing his sentence, as he claimed he did not assault his former partner. Bint was now saying that he did not coincidentally meet Nicola Ginelli in the hotel. Over a phone line from prison, he said, I met her through an escort agency. What she said in court was lies. The claim seemed unlikely. Nicola Ganelli would not be the last woman Paul Bint would take advantage of. It was impossible to weed out any seeds of truth from a man that was notorious for continually lying and cheating to get what he wanted. This was how he earned the nickname King Kong. To hear the second instalment on the life and crimes of Paul Bint, please tune in next week. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Rebecca Pittman, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you have any case recommendations, please feel free to contact us through our social media accounts. We're on Facebook and Instagram under They Walk Among Us podcast, or Twitter under TWAU underscore podcast. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.